2: everybody to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields. And just here to my left, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I can speak. This is good. You can breathe. You can speak.
3: I can, yes. It's very exciting after um the challenges of the last show. Um uh, I'm I'm quite happy to have my, my breathing capabilities back. And uh Sun has finally come out, and the gray clouds have gone away, and I have flowers now, and it's all very, very spring-like at my house.
2: Very spring-like all of a sudden. That's very good.
3: Yeah. yes. Yeah. you like us some spring.
2: Yeah, and it's fun. Absolutely. Here in Houston, it's not so well-defined, the line between, well, we don't really have winter except, you know, a few days here and there, and then... This year in particular, it was stuff started blooming, I don't know, January, February. And it's like, what? <clears throat> what so month crazy. is this? Where's the season? What? What?
3: <clears throat> so crazy. It's, it, it is so defined here. I mean, literally, like one day you go to bed and it's dead silent at night. And then the next morning you wake up and all you hear are birds. And then that night you go to bed and all you hear are crickets. So it's like one day that is all it takes um and it's everything just comes alive suddenly and it's, it's
2: and they pass around the memo couple, and say spring and
3: yeah know. yeah it's really um it's it's such an intense difference cuz it's so quiet in the winter time it really is and i mean other than the wind which doesn't really make that much noise um but the the animals and the insects and the birds really just pop out.
2: Oh, I bet they do. And because I, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the cold, but one of the things I always thought was cool was like when you'd wake up first in the household and it had snowed all night, and 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 the wind has pretty much died down now. The snow's over, and 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 so you go outside and it's just, it's like never that quiet, except when you know because everything's covered. It's like I don't know, covering everything with soundproofing, like a radio booth or something. It just... Yeah. It's so quiet. It's like, oh. You, you yeah,
3: and you'd really... You'd expect out here in the winter there to be a great deal of echoing because there's no leaves on the trees. So you would expect the sound to echo through the bush um, quite easily. But when everything is blanketed with snow like that, it it is. It's it's dead, dead still and dead quiet, and it's just... Um, it's very peaceful, but then spring comes and everything's alive. I mean, you're hearing animals rustling in the in the bush, and like I said, my favorite sound really to go to bed at night is the crickets, and and they start as early as six o'clock. They start, so it's you know crickets all night long, birds all day long. That's what I wake up to is the birds, and it's really kind of reminiscent of being in Costa Rica. Except I was for, gonna say.
2: It was a little louder down yeah. there, probably, but uh,
3: not so much actually, and that's why I'm kind of shocked because I was expecting, I was expecting to think that, but the last couple of days uh, where the weather has been really warm because it's been in the 20s here so the last couple of days, and it's been loud, like really loud yeah. at night, and yeah, and it's it's awesome, I love
2: it. Molly I, would love. I love it. My Molly. Would
3: Nature love it. sounds. Yeah, she,
2: it's. I, she has this radar thing she does with crickets that, she. Fifteen twenty yards away, she gets that <laughs> head aimed and then takes off and leaps on them and eats them. And, she'd uh,
3: go insane here, Rick, because they just it, really they're they're all over. She there's doesn't. N- there's well, she no might directional. directional.
2: She might quit. She got a, got loose from me one time, <laughs> when I first, when she first was living with me here. Uh, We first got her adopted. She used to like to eat June bugs, uh, or for our people in the Southern Hemisphere, Christmas beetles, they call them in South Africa. Um, And um, so she used to love to eat June bugs, June beetles. And one night she got a belly full of them and threw them up and never eaten them again. So, you know, maybe she'll get too many crickets one time. And I try to hold her to two crickets in a, a night, but if you don't let her get at least one, she'll come every 10 minutes wanting to go back outside again so
3: i'm telling you i mean i don't even think the dogs the dogs don't even notice it the cat certainly doesn't care um the first the first couple days with the birds and the cat was really entertaining because the the birds eat off of our deck and of course the cat was out prowling around and and lost the battle i mean i I've never, I've yet to meet a cat that can actually catch a chickadee. They're too bloody fast. And we have cardinals and blue jays and, and the blue jays just really just tease the hell out of the cat to be quite honest. It's like, ha ha, you're not going to get me. Uh, and, and now three days in the cat has just given up and is just watching the bird. He's not, she's not even trying anymore to catch the birds. It's just the birds are coming to the deck and eating and the cat's lying like, you know, two feet away. Cat's not moving. Birds are eating. Uh, you know, there's so cats, much cats nature birds
2: going. Yeah, I know you, you can fly. I'm not trying to, I'm not falling for this yeah. again.
3: Exactly. There's so much nature out here that it's kind of like the dogs don't even notice. You know what I mean? And, and right, that, right. that to me is really cool. That, um, it's, everybody just kind of exists in the same space and nobody's really chasing anybody at this point they're just enjoying being and and so this is probably my favorite time of the year and my first experience in spring on this property so I'm excited because I, I don't know what's going to be in store for me because I'm, I'm finding new flowers and stuff every day yeah it is a big adventure <laughs> go out with my coffee in the morning walk around the house and see what new flowers and new plants have popped up because you go oh
2: who are you <laughs> you're it's pretty be,
3: it's gonna be awesome. yeah so it's uh i love spring it's awesome what a wonderful time of year
2: uh, there was a young so, squirrel out when molly and i went out for our pre-show walk and um so I looked up, and I said, oh, you're a young one. Well, welcome to Earth. And that squirrel turned and looked at me like, you're talking to me, aren't you? Humans, these other, y- 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 y'all don't talk to us. What are you doing? <coughs> Even Travis one day, I said spoke to one of the squirrels, and it just stopped dead in its tracks and poked its head around the tree and just looked at me. He said, that squirrel's looking at you like you're crazy. And I said, no, the squirrel's looking at me like, no human's ever spoken to me before. What are you doing? <coughs>
0: Yeah, you? I, I, come I speak from? to all
3: the, speak to all the squirrels and the birds and anything alive. I, well, I, I speak I, to the bugs too. So you know. I was going
2: to say, you speak to moths and they do amazing things.
3: Uh, they do. <laughs> when I talk to bugs, they do really cool stuff. Um, who knew that I was a bug whisperer? But there it is.
2: Y'all can watch our um, bug whisperer video on YouTube. <laughs> and the, the the best was <laughs> the moth, and we really didn't get any footage of the moth spreading its wings. I don't think, but.
3: No, Uh, we didn't, unfortunately. A a plain
2: brown, well, very large, but otherwise plain brown-looking moth. And you looked and stroked its little head and said, you're beautiful. And it spread its wings and had these bright orange and yellow and black. And like, oh, you think I'm beautiful now, do you? Watch this.
3: Yeah, it was really cool. It was very, very cool. Um, it's it's a lot easier to pet bugs in Costa Rica though because they're so big. See, so
0: yeah, <laughs> you
3: can actually you know what I mean. I mean, if they see the finger coming, and I'm thinking they're thinking that it's not a threat.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, than that.
3: exactly, exactly. That's just, you know. So this you, you it, had the it, little but it one, a very but cool it landed
2: on your finger and then flew in place.
3: Yeah, it was. it's it's a video worth watching, because, just because it was such a cool experience, and I've never had that happen before.
2: But. It was. It was a lot of fun. It
3: was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And uh, speaking of fun. Speaking of fun. Speaking of fun. We have a returning guest tonight, yes. who is um, really accurate in what he does. And um, it, to to learn a little bit more about what he does, you can always go back to see the archive show. And I'm sure that he's going to give you a little bit of um, info on that tonight. Oh, but yeah. uh, he's come back to tell us how he got to get where he is, and how he stumbled upon this amazing gift that he's now offering to people.
2: Yeah, the so, the journey to get there is gotta. That's always juicy. <laughs>
3: absolutely, we like, we like absolutely. The journey. absolutely so welcome back well thank Stefan. you thank you uh, it's a pleasure to have you you're such a light-hearted giggly person so it'll be lots of fun um and you know my use my first question usually is who on earth are you and what do you do so we'll just run with that and you can answer it again because i know you've already answered it once but the answer seems to change i find
1: Well, okay. Who am I and what am I? Do? What was the question again? No. You know what I. Who on you know Earth I was, are you in? what do
0: you do? Who
1: on Earth? There, there we go. Can I read? A, can I read a little poem that I just came flush fl- flipping up here? It sure.
0: Absolutely.
1: Crystalline, crystalline beams. I wrote it long, probably when I was in Hawaii, I think in 2009, 2010, and mm-hmm. it was uh, just a little shorty, just a clip, and it's just a crystalline beams of light by Stephen Charles Coots. Crystalline beams of light, a common family joined by a distant star. We are participants in this divine plan of ascension for all. Um, we are an extreme event that has never ever been done in the universe so far. Crystalline beams of light. Our, our path has been varied and 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 has cut us down like trees. Understanding has been scarce scarce and pain plentiful in ways. How how are we to know just how important the task is in something so extreme? Crystalline beams of light. Each star of seed hand-chosen and perfect for the test. We need not be fixed. We are, we are not broken. In the greatness of love, ascension for all. So, I, you know, I, I'm still... Cool. As, as far as I've... Uh, I think all of us have been getting these little messages and they don't always um, jive with what we've been trained, what we've been taught, who we've been, the culture we've been raised in, the religion we've been raised in or, or adopted um so this is like who I am is my journey is really a bit about my journey back to soul centers to soul essence and getting back to my own and and in that journey I've um, found out that part of my uh, one of some of the most uh, amazing uh, experiences that I uh, get to have on this planet is actually helping other people uh, realize the same so um, I can't I, for me it's like I can't imagine doing anything that's more it's not it's more fun than uh looking into somebody's um divine essence and and watching them uh watching them awaken and, and feel their own joy of being themselves and uh so last i want i do want to say this a little bit last time I got off the the, the show and I was going, you know I was like kind of like um kind of like too too informational and that's really like i kind of felt like that and i just so tonight who I am is I really want to come from my heart more. And uh, I can't think of, of two I'd rather do that
2: with. Well, well that's awesome, because that's kind of what we were leaning towards, was a little more of the story of who's Stefan and how did you end up discovering these. Because this really sort of is a marriage of different systems and mm-hmm. and um, synthesis in, in your, your own uh, combination. And uh, uh, it was a jam packed show last time with uh with uh for those that missed it, they basically read me live on the show. Um I hadn't not had the reading before, so I had no earthly idea what was coming.
1: <laughs>
2: and uh, um um <clears throat> which is one in and of itself is to get a uh, uh soul reading and just let it go out over the air. But that's the way we do things around here. And um but we would like to hear a little bit more about how you got there. Okay. So, um, yeah,
1: because
3: the accuracy of it is so
2: intense, and I mean, spooky almost. It's
3: it's 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 definitely a gift. You know what I mean? So every time we have somebody on the show who has an amazing gift that they're they're presenting to the world, the story on how they stumbled upon their gift is always fascinating.
1: You know who I am, who I who I was last week. Um, I got to I got to um, Sedona about six months, a little less than six months ago, I guess, from Ojai. I you know I wanted I figured Sedona is one of the uh, psychic capitals of the world, so to speak, and um, and uh, I figured I'd really this is a great place to to take my take my gift and tool and and uh, put it through the put it through the the ropes, I guess, and see how it flies and. And out of that, I did some initial um, did some initial um, readings for some of the people who hire psychics here, and and I was getting comments like best reading in 30 years and whatever. And and I got I was lucky enough or fortunate enough to um, to be able to work for two wonderful companies. One is uh, Spirit Quest Retreats, and the other one is um, um, crystalline crystal. Enchantment by the river, and it's, uh, it's a really great psychic crystal shop right across from Tlalocpapie, which is like the main resort in Sedona. And um, I was working there for about a month and just having a blast and great referrals and everything was going good. And then I I was I always like to swap out readings with people, and this is the first time this has ever happened, by the way. And I did this reading for my um, for the uh, the store manager, you know, name withheld, and. Um, And I I I sat down and I read her and she had this amazing deck. She was I couldn't have think I couldn't have picked somebody who would have been a better spiritual a manager of a spiritual organization. You know, physic. She was just a good people place material type manager, and she was also a triple Scorpio. And the problem was is when I got done with the reading, I had read her so deep she didn't have any secrets left. And in the next Four days, I literally she literally closed down to me, and um, and I actually you know it was like I'd walk in and I'd get I'd get taken through the ringer, and um, and I wasn't I wasn't I couldn't fathom what was going on, and it took me about three weeks to figure it out, and um, next time I when I run into a triple Scorpio I'll leave him a few secrets you know, and um, you know I, I you know it's like so my life has been kind of a a tr- kind of a a mixed, a really, really intense mix of between just a dynamic light, you know, light, in, light events, and the and lots of um, places where people just don't want their light, light being shown and have made my life really hard, or, or have created scenarios which were hard for me to endure. I should say, okay, and um, so I ended up I ended up leaving that leaving that place this week, and went on sabbatical to see if things would change, but. But it was just a. I just like sat there, you know. You know what? You know you want to put your forehead on your on your or your hand on your forehead and make that little flat spot. And you go, you know, how could you? How could I? How could this happen to me? You know, kind of thing. Um, I would think that you know if you're a really good reader, then you tend to you know everybody comes up and applauds to you, and that's really not the case in life. So um, when I was when I was young, I was actually raised and I was a poor black child in Malibu, you not know, I, was, I was raised in Hollywood, California or I was born in Hollywood, California, I, my parents moved probably by the time I was in third grade to Malibu, which is sort of like rural at the time, I and mean, it was really a beautiful place to grow up. I was in a my I I don't know how many other people have this, but I was in a, a home that was totally material-based um, and not very spiritual or theoretically based, and I was the one out of five that was, and uh, I was, so I was quite misunderstood as a child. I would say, but I know that everybody probably could say that. Um, and I really and I I didn't grow up in a home that hadn't much spirituality or any religion in it at all. Um kind of California agnostic I think is where I was raised. And by the time I was um twenty one I was uh, I was in a junior college taking business courses. Um my my counselors, my high school counselors didn't you know, they they wanted to make me an accountant or a or a fireman or something like that, and I Whatever, whoever I really am, didn't exactly fit any of their boxes. I don't think they had sole purpose readers back then. Mm.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Um, I, could, I could have used one or, too, because they uh, they wanted okay. me to be all sorts of things, and I didn't want to be any of them. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so I'm I, I I would say my early childhood was really was really my lesson in that um, we have we live in a culture, religious culture, and and. Um, Whatever else historical um, context that just likes to put people in their little boxes, and anybody that fits in those boxes is applauded, and anybody that doesn't fit in those boxes is conformed or or maligned. Um, And I I think I experienced that on both sides both sides of that coin. Um, So when I was 21, I was in college, and I was at the time I was racing motorcycles off road. I really loved that. It was like low level flying, and because I was very intuitive, I could know what was coming before it came so to speak, so I was like one of the I would say one of the top off the racers in the world and I was racing Baja and motocross and 100-mile Grand Prix and things like that and I was down in the Baja desert um, and I was pre-running this one section on weekends before the race just so I could get to know what the, what the, know the course a little bit and I'm out about an hour and a half out and I had about another hour and a half to go. Um, I was by myself. I had a two-and-a-half-gallon gas can strapped to my waist. I had a <laughs> pint of oil, and I think I had a canteen of water. It was about 115 in the shade. And I was just kind of seriously just taking taking care of business and making making tracks and, um, and not really thinking about anything other than just getting the job done. And then out of the blue, I hear this, Clear, audible voice that says, "My birth name is Stephen Charles Kuse, and Says Stephen, "This is not what we want you dying doing." And I'm going, "Okay, that was undeniably clear, out of the blue, and uh, and within within about about 30 seconds, less than 30 seconds, I come up this burning bush in the middle of the Baja Desert." Now, later on, I was in church and discovered what a, you know, that this guy named Moses had this burning bush, but I had never heard of one like that. So I get off my bike instinctively. and I, was, I don't know why, because I wasn't really a, worried about the desert burning, but it just instinctively I got off the bike and, and went over to kick the fire out. And as soon as I got near it, I realized it wasn't anything of this world at all. And, you know, and I just walked up to it. I sat my helmet on the ground, and I just sat there and watched this fire. And I just couldn't believe it. it was just surrealistic. realistic. surrealistic. I had no idea what it was, but it, but it definitely got my attention, and I and I was probably out there for minutes or whatever it was, and then I heard this voice said, well, now you better get on your motorcycle and ride, or you're going to die out here, and I go, oh, okay, and I jumped on my bike and had another hour and a half ride in really nasty terrain and, and made it to the other side. Well, I almost made it. I, was, I made it about a mile from the main road, and I Ended up um, getting a ride on the back of this truck, I think, to get back to this road in Baja California, Mexico. So that was my little that was my first encounter with something. Um, I would say my first spiritual encounter of something of this. And I, I to this day, I really, I still want to know who we is. <laughs> right there. We, 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 often, we often <laughs> call it keywords. Seriously, we don't want, this is not what we want you dying doing. So, um, oh, that was my, dude, that was my you know, go ahead.
3: The, the we question, oh man, I remember that question well. That came <laughs> up when I wrote my second book because I was the complete opposite of you and i'm really curious how somebody with absolutely no spiritual background at all could possibly
2: not um, think they were losing their mind I don't,
3: well i yeah kind of integrate the concept of the burning bush into um you know into this is an okay experience so that that must have been an interesting thought process but it, for me, it was when when I wrote my first book, it was I and He, and, and you know, it was coming from a Christian background because that's how I was raised, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I wrote my second book that I and He became we, wow. and so I went through that whole, who the hell is we,
2: saying... No,
3: well what do you mean we what what who to, we who we is us is is they is them is and I so I remember that so well and um it was such a wonky transition to have to make to go from from that Christian understanding of, of God to a different understanding right. of the creator energy. Um so how did you like I mean before okay. we get into the next step, how did you? How did
1: I how that? Did you, you know what, deal with that? Okay, so number one, what I what I do, and when you're you know when you're making you know a three hundred mile ride and you're in harsh scenarios at high speeds or whatever, you are number one focused, okay? And I was mentally focused, mentally alert. Um, it wasn't like I was you know sitting on a curb or something. I was. Um, fully, in, but and it wasn't at full. I wasn't at race speeds, but I was probably at at least half to three quarter race speeds. So I was really alert, and and you know, one little rock, you miss one little rock, and you're on your head. So I was I was pretty grounded at that time, if you would, if that makes sense. And and number one, I didn't have any. I had nobody talking to me about spiritual things in my life. I had no Christians or Mormons or whatever knocking on my door. There was just simply, I was just in school doing business, I was racing and I was doing my other, you know, my friends, whatever. So it was really so it was it was so out of the blue and it wasn't intermixed at all with any of my with anything that was cultural or historical for me. Does that make sense? So I think in that regard it, it might have been easier for me to handle that.
2: Um, now you didn't boys, grow up with the story of the burning bush and so no, I so think never, oh my god I'd
1: never heard of a, of Moses and the burning bush before. I I don't know, you know, whatever. I was, you know, that just wasn't part of my thing. In fact, the first time I was in a Christian church, about four and a half. Uh oh. Oh.
2: About four and a half something. Four and a half something. (laughs) Skype has now decided to say there's a problem with this call. And I was like thinking. Yes, we know that. (laughs) Please hold on while we try to get the call back. Um, Absolutely. Maybe we should take a brief break and we can call Stefan on his phone or um, something.
3: Yeah, we'll find a way to get him back.
2: It acts like it's ringing, but we will find a way to get him back. And so, break. Uh, burning bushes uh, she's a miracle walking My sure. Ina V she is. and she is. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes with uh, more from Stefan Kutz stay with us folks mm-hmm. Welcome back, everybody. That was our dear friend, Inavi, with Miracle Walking. And uh, uh, just like the Miracle Walking, we have the Miracle Talking now. We're all back together on the phone. (laughs) So this is good. Yes,
3: indeed. And and just before we lost, um, Stefan, he was uh, explaining how he didn't have any... Any spiritual background? Nobody at talking all. to me
2: about it. None of that. And yeah. Really that. focused at that kind of speed. And I used to drive really fast when I was young, and I know what you mean. You you, you really don't notice much that's not right in front of you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I think the miracle was I'd gone that far without ever having a Jehovah Witness knock on my door or something. You know. <laughs> I mean, I really, I really was somehow I was like you know Southern California, just avoid kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, um, religious, the um, religious folks didn't, you know, didn't venture to Malibu much. I guess I don't know what the deal is. So, um, but I, so this is, and I really didn't, and when it, so I got it back on my motorcycle. I rode, got to this final, got to my destination, and my dad was not somebody to talk to that about that stuff with. In fact, I didn't have anybody in my world at that point to talk to me about that stuff. So I just kind of stored it in my heart, and pondered it, and. The the bottom line is I think that every I think most of us are on a spiritual journey at this point or have realized that we all have an inner voice an inner knowingness, and that voice just rang true to my inner knowingness. Um, I I knew that it was so random that it wasn't something I just you know I was pondering or trying to work out and it was and the voice to me was undeniable and I've heard that voice many 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 times since then, um, and um,
2: yeah it wasn't like you've been watching sci-fi your whole life and then now you see a UFO. It, right. Like you had right. the example. Like, right. I,
1: I awesome. remember, yeah, I just, I, you know, I just never knew, I, in fact, my my mantra for about three years is I have to go find out who can talk to me through my helmet. You know? <sighs> <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, so, and being a motorcycle helmet, it was like, and I, so I raced, I raced the Baja, I actually went back, like a, I, I didn't quit exactly then. It was, That was like um, that was my passion. I loved riding and racing. It was just uh, such an amazing um, zen kind of zone that I got into when we did it. And um, my younger brother and I raced, and and we finished out of 500 cars and motorcycles. We finished 18th overall in the bottom 500 the first time we went down there, so it was really really good. I raced one race after that, about six maybe a couple months later. And then I sold my motorcycle, cold turkey, and I didn't ride again for probably at least another 15 years. And wow. I, And um, later on, and can I skip, I can skip forward, right? Later on. Absolutely.
2: Skip all around.
1: Okay, good. I, can I, this is, um, Later on in my life, I finally got a chance to actually, um, I, at this point, I believe that the voice that I was hearing that kept saying we was Archangel Michael, or identified himself as Archangel Michael, and later on I, I said, "What was that all about?" I said, "I loved racing. Why did I have to quit?" And he said, "Well, you were gonna you were gonna break your neck and die instantaneously within a year if you hadn't quit." And I said, "Oh, <laughs> I'm glad I quit." <laughs> and then uh, and then I I said, "Well, what was that burning bush?" What was that burning bush about, and they're really angels i anybody talked to angels in my perspective they're they're benevolent uh unbelievably benevolent they're they're um clear egoless as far as their true their're in their essence, and they they don't always what they don't say is as important as what they do say and I said, okay, so what was that burning bush about? Am I some kind of Moses or something and Archangel michael just laughed and he said uh he said, "No, you're not a Moses. We just wanted to get your attention." I said, "Yeah, you sure did. It, it worked. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like I'm going, you know, like that's like what is it, hitting a like a 2010 bomb on a on a open a beer can or something? That was pretty intense. So, um, so later on, so I I actually I was in Southern California, and you know what? You can find spiritually, you can find just about anything you're looking for in Southern California. At least in those days, I'm pretty sure the same. Um, and I just went around exploring. I just wanted to know who, you know, who, who, where's where's that other realm? Where is that other realm at? And I didn't really have much guidance at that point. And I stumbled around a little bit, and eventually um, I got into uh, working with a, a guy named Harvey Diamond and a guy named uh, Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And and he was our little sales manager, our little company, and we were um, we were bringing the book Fit for Life and the Fit for Life seminars, which was our original kind of kind of I think the real roots of the raw food or or, um, or veg, veg, vegan diet, vegan diet um, and mm-hmm. fasting and, and juicing and whatever, and uh, that was back in the late 70s, and I did that diet for about seven years. And uh, during that time, I got married and moved up to Northern California. Um, I was um, doing tech repair up in uh, Northern California, and then I eventually um, had I had accepted. Oh, I went in I, about three years after this. I went in a little uh, missionary alliance church in uh, Westlake Village, California, and eventually went up in, to an altar call and, went, and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And it was a powerful time in my life, and it was an accelerated spirituality time. And um, within three years, I was pastoring a Calvary Chapel church in Northern California. And um, all sorts of, you know, they were kind of charismatic, I meaning they were still, they were working in the gifts, but they were kind of anchored at, um, anchored in the Word of God, so to speak. But they were also um, operating the gifts in a, in a kind of a lower key than maybe a Pentecostal style, and uh, all sorts of energetic healing stuff was coming out of me at that time in my life, and you know, people were falling down under prayer, and you know, and people were getting healed, and all that stuff. And I was even weird; I was too weird for even the, that group, you know. It was, I mean, not because I was not real or whatever, but it was, it was hard, it was hard to understand what was going on in my life. So I just kind of came under I think I came into the planet with a lot of juice. I think, just in wiring. Um, and I did that, and then about a year after I was pastoring, I get I get the second really uh, second big voice, big message from Archangel Michael, and he showed up. And I remember this day exactly what it was. But showed up, and he said, Stephen, Stephen, what are you doing? It's kind of like what you were saying, Jean. Who are you? What are you doing here? Well, he said, he said, Stephen, what are you doing? And I go, you know, the first time he came to me I was this heathen, you know, racing motorcycles in the dirt. And uh, so the next time I, I figured I was a little better prepared to talk to angels, you know, or whatever.
2: And I said, Oh, I'm
1: I'm teaching people about the love of God, about Jesus, about forgiveness, about all, you know, ancient prophecy and ancient wisdom. And I'm all excited. And he he I I didn't. It wasn't visual. I actually felt him pat me on the head like placatingly, and said, That's nice, Stephen. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 in that moment, that moment said everything to me. It was like, oh dang, it took another wrong turn, did I? Sounds
2: sounds like oh. Michael to me. God, oh, that's it such like, a Michael
1: moment. Nice, he goes, he goes, no, this is not what we called you to do. Oh, no. and I think I I think I went from my exalted, you know, also, you know, you kind of state or whatever, and down into this shrunken little kid going.
3: Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, laugh those... about
1: that a lot. It was really hilarious. Well, it's,
3: it's very It, fu- fun. it is funny because here's, oh God, you yeah. know, Michael basically saying to you, oh, yeah, who are you saving now kind of thing, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, and even one you know, it was just uh, like
1: I was just doing, like, back to my culture, <laughs> I was just doing what I thought was religious or what I thought was spiritual. And that there was nothing wrong in that. And I didn't, there was no, there was no need. I, that's why I laugh about it now. It was like, but he was, I would I would walk in and say this. I'm sure I walked in and said the same thing to people now. Um, but he was just, he was coming from his clarity and I was coming from my illusion. And he was just gently kind of, and it was very gently, He like could have hit me over the head with a two by four, but he, he just patted me on the head. <laughs> and it was, I'm thankful for that. Just very and, Michael. And, and, um, and just, and then I said, I'm going. Okay, great. You know, well, I you know I love doing that. You know, racing, and I got pulled out of that. and Now I'm doing this, and I'm having you know it whole you know it took me a while to get into this, you know this gig. You know, and I, I was I really love helping people. I love serving. I love um, bridging gaps for people, and um, and I love giving people a hand up. And so so to that degree, I really enjoyed what I was doing. And um, but then so then I said, okay, I'm just kind of like. Okay, what is it then? You know, I didn't say that, but I was sure thinking it, and I waited about maybe ten seconds. And he said, he said, Ste-, he said, Stephen, when you're older, you're going to anchor a mighty move of spirit in wisdom. And I really didn't understand what that was, but I was just at the point. I was, at that point, I was just excited that I was going to get. I was going to laugh to be older. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been. You know, that's. I think part of. Part of a lot of um, unique spiritual journeys are these places where you just go, you know, if this gets any, the heat goes, turns up anymore, I'm not even going to be here, you know. So I was just really, what I heard more than anything else in that was, you got a long run. You're going to be here for the long run. And uh, later on, when I was in Jamaica, that was a life, um, that was something I had literally hung my life on, and uh, it, it helped me, kept me through. Um I maybe you can tell that some other time but um <laughs> so that was kind of what was going kind of, but I really didn't understand what that was, and that was tw- that was like um almost thirty years ago okay, 20. so 28, 28 years ago is when is when he said that to me, when I, Martin Michael told me that and um and it wasn't until um like two about two and a half about two no, about two and a half years ago that i when i after i was into this project for a while that I realized that it was actually that that, um, that anchoring a mighty move of spirit. That move, mighty move of spirit is the awakening that's going on in this world right now, and it's been planned for for eons, most likely, and it's going to become huge. And that that it needed to be anchored not just in common culture, history, and and whatever, but it needed to be it needed to be anchored in in ancient wisdom. And um, so what I found out was that by when I put this Stefan mirror together that it, when I looked at it, I realizing that that it, I'm helping the awakening and you know, helping people come to a place of awakening um, into the you know, to the sacredness of each co-creative moment and be able to through these ancient wisdom be able to see who they are to see themselves at a deep deep level of soul essence, be able to embrace that and to be able to and then turn around and express it. Um, and that's to me that's that is what that that uh Archangel Michael was um, was pointing me towards one many, many years ago. So I'm uh, watching it unfold at this point. So I'm pretty pretty uh, I'm an interested I'm an interesting onlooker at this point and participant. So Oh my sister thinks I'm weird, my mom thinks I'm weird, um my dad, yes, and uh I mean, I've had I, I've i owned lots of businesses. I'm I'm a parent of four children. Um, I love them all. They're great. They're great kids. Um, I've had all sorts of rich experiences from from even uh, a Rotary member and uh, Chamber of Commerce board member and blah 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 all this stuff. And so I've kind of had a way, wide spectrum of events in my life, but um but the this deep spirituality calling that seems to have intertwined me with archangel michael is has um, has been a has been a defining defining um thread i would say right so.
3: the 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 commonality that kind of holds your whole existence together
1: yeah, you know, like a lot of a lot of times I wouldn't, I don't know, I didn't understand at all. I, I kind of, I think I kind of, from where I'm sitting right now, I feel like I'm understanding. But, you know, I'm sure that's not going to be where I'm. I'll be looking at a totally different place, you know, a couple of years from now. But, um, looking backwards, it's like, I know that um, there was times early on when I really didn't even have a, a slight handle on what was going on with the spirit, with the hearing, Archangel Michael, and direction, and whatever. And, and it's where these these powerful, you know, energetic experiences, whatever. Um, I didn't have any. I didn't have any basis for those. But I, but I, I would have stood up in front of a firing squad and said, you know, deny that you that you heard, you know, you know, spirits or whatever. And I would have said, go ahead and shoot. I, I couldn't. It wasn't deniable. You know what I mean, it took me about 25 years to actually, I would say, grow, not 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 ditch Christianity. But just thank it for being an amazing um, stepping stool, or a step stool. Yes. And I think yes. that was that was hugely important for me. And I had to, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much time we have. like I went through a major, major, um, the, the third, I would say the third time in my life where Michael came in a huge way. He came to me and said, "Stephan, it's time to take an axe to the root of your tree." And I thought, okay, I've got a failing marriage after 25 years and alcoholic wife and blah, 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 whatever, and um, and it, and, um, and I'm going on thinking that that was all it was. And literally every, almost everything in my life that I valued was ripped away from my life. And it wasn't, and i looking back now, the purpose of that wasn't, was because the only things I really, the only things I really own or really are valuable are the things that, that can't be taken away. And I before that I always saw God as the God out outside. And I would pray I prayed a lot and I and I would always talk to God as though it was you know he was over there someplace. Even though I felt very close to him it was it was still the God outside. And I went through, right. a, sure I, went through a, I went through, you know, Dark Knight of the Soul. Tremendous, um, tremendous, random, or not <laughs> relentless um, waves of things just ripping through my life. And um, and really, it was part of my soul contract to to get me. And I say this today, I encourage, you know say this to lots of people that that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should be doing it. And there's a lot of people in this world that are doing things that they can do because they're talented that have nothing to do with their, their sole purpose or their sole essence. And that was that was in my case. At the time, I had a, I had a computer consultancy in Jackson Hole in Triggs, Idaho, and I had a beautiful house on two and a half acres at the base of the Tetons. And I, and I was 50, 52, 53 years old, and I, I figured, you know, this is, this is how life's going to go. But it really had nothing to do with my my divine calling for being here, and it, and it had nothing to do with um with what I with what I was really wired to do, and I you know and I and to this day I still quote Jesus you know quotes um and I one of you know I still think that that there's immense um power and and wisdom and beauty in in his words and I like there's one there's one scripture that said. Um, where Jesus quoted as saying, um, "What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his very soul?" And when I looked, at, and I finally, after going through my own dark night of the soul and, and soul contract, or you know, having a soul soul event contract, getting me back down to realizing really who I was and what I really am supposed to be doing here, um, and then being able to look around and realizing how many people were just like me on the planet that had. Just because they could do something um, didn't mean it, that that's what they came here to do. And so more than anything else, I feel this deep call um, in my soul to, to awaken, to become awakened to the, this co creative moment and also to continue to see deeper and deeper into my own soul essence and to embrace it. And then my whole purpose here is to express it and to help others do the same. And um, it's been an amazingly rewarding so far or whatever, um, have the opportunity of doing about 4,300 readings the last two and a half years and, and really looking for the resources and the partnership and encouragement people and technical whatever to, to literally do it so we can do um, maybe millions millions of these a day and, and release these readings so that people can actually see who they are at a deep level, fall in love with themselves at a deep level and, uh, and be able to start turning this world around by doing what we came here to do. So that's my heart, guys.
2: I love
3: that you don't um, that you don't have any regrets or anger or sadness about the the things that were taken away or the things that you lost. I don't even like using that word anymore um, because I and I so often people. When they hear my backstory, oh, how did you survive? That's you know, so much in such all a short loss. time, and all that loss, and but it's not. I mean, in one respect, I suppose yes, it it can be considered to be lost. But in the process of the losing, I gained such a sense of self. Yes. And so much self-awareness. And my faith was just, and when I say faith, I mean that deep knowingness that it's all good, it's all God, and moving on kind of faith. <laughs> and, you know, to to be awarded that at the end of that kind of experience, you can't really look back on it with any kind of resentment, anger, or sense of loss.
1: You know, you know and, I don't and know about you, but I, when I was in the middle of that, though, I really, I didn't understand it. I really didn't understand what the illusions that I, was in, or that I was in. And I really did, I did more griping probably in that those couple of years than I did my whole life. I whined a lot, I cried. Um, I was, a, in fact, one time I was in a fetal position in my upstairs loft, just going, just crying just in tears, and I and I was crying, and I cried out to the angel, and I said, look, look, at, at least, I said, Jesus at least had a light at the end of the tunnel, Do I, what's my light at the end of the tunnel? You know, oh, I,
3: and I absolutely, I absolutely understand that, because I'm not, I'm not going to say that I floated through what <laughs> I've been good. through. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not going to lie and say that I've said it many times on the air. There was there's been times where I've been curled up. I remember shortly after we finally managed to get my parents buried and I got home and I got I'd been in school for about a month and one weekend I just found myself on the bathroom floor curled up in a ball and I must have cried for hours. Hours and I was begging begging for death. I was like saying, "Would you just please? I can't do this anymore. I've, I've, I've been through enough. Just take me." And I, you know, the answer has always been, "No, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about your luck. <laughs> you know, you gotta stick around." Um, but no, and I get that. I just feel grateful to be able to look back on that, even knowing how much it hurt at the time to be able to look back on that with a sense of gratitude for the experience. Because it's done two things for me. It's awarded me a great sense of faith, as I said, because I I did make it out. And I am doing what I was meant to do. And I am happy and my life is full. uh, And I I do feel very blessed. So it's it's giving me that. But it's also giving me a great sense of compassion for others who are are in that stage of their journey. If that's the path that they've chosen for themselves and that's where they're going and they're going through that, then, you know, I understand what it means to be curled up on the floor screaming out to the heavens, would you just help me because I can't do this on my own. Um, I I get the the deep anguish and the fear and I understand that because I've been in that position more than once. Uh, but I can also look back on it and say, but there's there is a light at the end of the tunnel
1: Things look so convoluted looking forward from places like that and they are such a beautiful straight line when you're looking backwards And like a lot of times a lot of times if um, like I, I do business consulting as well as sole purpose coaching and life uh, coaching and and um, And a lot of times if people, I said, okay, you've solved, let's pretend, imagine right now that you've actually solved whatever this business problem or personal problem you had. You've already solved it. Now look backwards and tell me how you did it. And it's really an amazing process because a lot of times it's just, boom, it's right there. Well, I must have done this. Okay, then do it. You know what I'm saying? And um, so when we're looking or like hindsight is perfect. Twenty twenty or whatever, is that it? Right. Yes. So they and say. so a lot of times when I'm looking at people and I can see that they're becoming alive, they're they're awakening. There's this little, there's this help me kind of spark going on, you know, and I can see the process going on, and I can just look right into them and look in their eyes, and and I can I can go to a place when they're all done, and we're just kind of sitting there, you know, hugging each other and, and looking backwards. And seeing that they not only made it through, but now they are, they have freedom and they have compassion and love and love for themselves that, that was ne- never existed been in their life before. And and just to be able to look at people as though they've already been through it has been really a, a kind of a, a powerful um, gift that I've been given and been able to give to others.
2: Indeed. Indeed. That's... One of the most powerful things that uh, you know early in my uh, quest, or at least this time around, one of the first coaches I worked with had this future self meditation visualization thing that she did, and you literally went and visited your future self and um, um, had a chat for a moment about you know how things are and how did you get here and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and of course she was focused on it's less important what gets said or even if you can hear anything than it is to try to figure out what future you feels like and then feel like that as much as you can. But, um, but I think there's a lot to that. Bashar has always said that the physical mind is simply not capable of figuring out how things are going to happen. Yeah. It's designed to figure out how things did happen. And um, uh, I know every time that I try to figure out how things are going to happen before they happen, it's n- not good.
1: <laughs> well, we, I, could, we, can, we can do I, another show and just talk about those.
3: Huh? I no. can't think back to the no. time when ever I was going through any of it where I, it was ever within my capabilities to look too far ahead. Because I, I needed to just get through today. Right. And I went for years like that. And looking back now, yeah, it's a perfectly straight line. And every single choice I made and every single step I took, including the things that got me in trouble, for lack of a better word, at the time, were the next necessary step to get me to... I mean, it's it's literally a path of... of perfect stepping stones a line of perfect stepping stones but on each and every one of those stones I couldn't see past the the next stone I I wasn't capable of it all I could do was try and get to the next step and that's that's all that ever mattered because as soon as I tried to look beyond it just didn't seem doable It, it felt so impossible at the time to, to look too far ahead. Um,
2: so Seems like some you know, Indiana and, Jones thing that you, you get across and you look back and you say, yeah, that was okay. But, you know, in the middle you're convinced you're going to fall off and die any minute.
3: Yeah. Quite literally. And, and so it's, it's, it's fascinating in hindsight is 2020. 20. In retrospect, you look back and go, yeah, it all makes sense. But while you're going through it, oh. it doesn't always make sense. There's a whole lot of, what the hell is happening right now? Why? Why me? Yeah. I think was probably my my biggest oh, question that I always, always Her- asked was, why me? This is ridiculous. It's got to stop.
2: Why me? <laughs>
1: you know, I, I you know, like there's, I don't, I'm not really, you know, I don't know the actual demographics of your media show or whatever, but I, I do, I mean, there's, there's people out there that are just going, yep, been there, done that, guys, and uh, just nodding their heads and just knowing that there's, that there's fellowship in that. It's beautiful communion when we look in people's eyes that have gone through this stuff and gone, done that journey, and we look in the eyes and it's like, yep, I see you. And, um, and there's a deep, deep uh, love and joy that comes from that. And then there's people that we're you know, listening right now that it's no accident. Obviously, there's no accident that you're listening. And there's three people here right now that just to say that this is a beautiful, as weird and as wacky and as hard as it may be right now, it is It is a beautiful journey to discover yourself. And everything in your mirror right now is is drawing out, not necessarily a perfect mirror, but just drawing out, helping you to to bounce into yourself. To find to drive maybe driven deep into yourself and and learn to see and express and um, and then for other people you know what we're saying right now may not really really um, resonate that much and but you know in, in a few years that might be you might just hang on these exact words and to to give you hope when when everything when other things aren't aren't there but there's a beautiful divine plan and a divine. Um, process that goes on. And I, I love Buddha's. I think mean, Buddha was quoted. I didn't hear him personally say this, by the way. Um, but he said that when you realize how perfect everything is, you will simply throw your head back and laugh. And 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 Warmer you know, faves. right? You know. And it's like. And I, I want to say this. That I I went through some after the My my cra- my. You know, we're going to take an time to take an axe to the root of your tree. And literally everything I watched. Conscious. I've never been. I've never done drugs. Never done on alcohol. And I simply, with with all whatever my spiritual tools, um, psychological tools, um, wisdom from from the years of living or whatever, it was worthless. I couldn't stop one iota of any of that from doing what it was going to do. And um, and it was. And I and I kept saying this. That's not possible. No. No. And, you know, and it would be one thing that was impossible, and I would see another thing that was impossible, and I'd say, there's no way seven of those things could happen in a row, you know? And it just got out of control, and I kept on asking, you know, it's like, um, why is this happening? And that was really, that was a problem, because it it really, it was was part of my consciousness at that time that caused me to say, why is this happening, which caused me to focus on the problem or the issue, rather than, Okay, that's going away. What's coming in? What's the new thing? What's, what's what opportunities are coming that I couldn't that I never had before? And it wasn't until and that, that, I, and my turning point, I don't know about you guys, but my turning point was really when I stopped saying why and I started saying it is what it is. And then later I yeah. read um, somebody, I read a copy of uh, Byron Katie's book, I love her work. Um, I don't like to major in it, but I think it's a wonderful tool for reeling your brain in. And uh, she has a book called Loving What Is, and I would en- highly encourage anybody to go to her website and at least read the just the basics of, of the work that she put together. Um, I got a chance to work with her um, at a large conference in S- uh, S- uh, Salt Lake City a couple of years ago, and uh, I ended up living uh, probably a block and a half from her, um, for her from her. She has a little old Nazarene church that she bought in, and that's her headquarters. And um and I ended up I ended up doing her reading last year along with a graphic uh, graphic artist and that was uh, pretty powerful. But um she you know but her message was this um was loving what is that that stop trying to wonder why things are the way they are. They just are. And there is blessing in it. There is there's something there's something greater going on in the pain and as soon as I started moving to that and I started I started my my mind started healing and I started coming out of my breaking down illusions and um, and that was uh I have to say that was that's been a that's been a that was a long process I had a lot of them I was really good at it
3: Oh yes.
1: Oh yes. So yeah. Yes, so if you're in this too. place, so if and you're in I... a place right now where you're saying, "Why is this happening? How could this be happening to me?" Say, "Okay, it just is what it is. This is ground zero. Today is the first day of the next, of the rest of your life. What are you going to do with it? Make friends with it. Make um, just and pretend like it, pretend like it's benevolent, even if even if you don't know. And there's some real magic Absol- in that."
3: absolutely one of the one of the analogies i was i was gifted with um in the writing of my first book, which is really the writing of my first book was was me stepping into stepping into my the beginning of my being and letting go of all that loss that I had been through and one of the analogies I was gifted with was when you're you know say you're taking a you're you're walking through the bush or through anywhere and you you know you're walking down a road and your arms are full already and then you see something on the side of the road or even a flower that you want to pick up but you you can't pick it up because your arms are full Mm -hmm. you know sometimes you have to put that stuff down in order to pick up something new And we teach our children this from a very young age. And I I don't know if you've ever seen a mother with a baby. And and the baby clasps, if if the baby's in in a woman's arms especially, they'll clasp a necklace or the shirt,
2: right? And and
3: just hold on to this shiny thing that's there. And there's no getting that thing out of the baby's hand. That baby's got that and that's, you know, I mean, (laughs) the necklace is going with the baby if you try to take the baby away. Unless... You're smart enough to offer something else for the baby to reach out to. And the baby will naturally, instinctively let go of the necklace and reach for the new thing. So if we, if, if we could learn from that a little bit, you know. And yes, this nice, shiny, bright thing that I'm holding on to right now is really cool. But oh, look over there. That's really cool too. Let me see that. And and not be afraid to let go of the necklace that you're holding on to. And and that was one of the hardest lessons that I've ever had to had to learn that all that stuff that I was carrying around for so long just didn't really matter. Oh my because what? 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 my what? 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 arms were what? full. What? My arms were full. And I, I didn't have room for anything else. I had to put it all down. Um and it's scary. <laughs> it is. I'm not gonna lie. it's scary, and it's it doesn't happen overnight. I would uh, imagine we're getting to the time when it is gonna happen overnight and it's it's you know it's speeding up exponentially for people. I see it in the people that we work with the The time frame for this letting go and and learning and healing process is becoming so quick and so efficient and it's awesome to watch but back ten years ago. It wasn't quick, and it wasn't efficient, and it wasn't easy. <laughs> it was a little slow,
2: a little ugly, <clears throat> really. Sometimes, but yeah, yeah. It, it was. Congratulations, you did it.
1: You Went through it. Yeah.
2: yeah. You kept breathing. Exactly. You
1: know. Oh, oh, okay. Here's my one more, another tip that, of my lesson through, and it worked for me. Was just learning to breathe again. As silly as it sounds, just learning to slow down and breathe and breathe deeply. It was, it was, um, there was something very, very uh, healing, very, um, very magical, and it was really about reconnecting to my own breath, and, you know, I don't have a pattern or anything specifically to teach anybody, but, but just, just learning to just breathe, and breathe deeply, and just learning to breathe through something. If something's painful, just breathe with it. Don't resist it, just breathe with it. And usually, what happens is the pain usually passes quite quickly there. Like if we try to, I learned that we, I learned that if I try to protect my heart, then it just creates walls and contains the the junk, rather than just opening my heart wide open to feel or experience whatever it is that's going on, and just breathe through it. Just go, yep, it is what it is. It is what it is. And um, and it was really it was was probably one of the maybe top ten most exciting things I ever learned in my life was just to have um, really heart heart um, crushing news and to be able to just open my uh, open my heart to it and breathe through it and realize that an hour later there was no pain um, there was a, a clearness of presence and and there was an appreciation for for the times that were does that make sense.
2: Well, it, it does.
3: totally makes sense. And um,
2: it I, I, I always, totally so, I don't know where we got this habit of the not breathing thing, but it, <laughs> it, it's like on our show. There's times I'll I'll literally say after one of our guests has said something particularly profound, I'll say, "Okay, breathe, everybody," because people do. We've and I'm sure we must have learned it somewhere because infants probably don't do it. But you know, some new news information, something is coming. We all get on the edge of our chair and quit breathing. Weird.
1: You know, but, you know when the when the Hawaiians, when I spent time over in Hawaii, they they came up with a name called Halwi, which is without breath or without spirit. Uh-huh. And they used to greet the Hawaiian Native Hawaiians would greet each other by putting their forehead and forehead to forehead, and they would breathe in and out together. And that was with breath or that with spirit. And um, and when the when the white man came um, on these ships, they they didn't have that breath. They didn't. They didn't understand how to share that breath, and that's what. It, and they call them Howling. howling. Without, without breath.
2: Yeah, they still use that greeting in uh, yeah. Maori society. <laughs> Usually, yeah. they're kicking you, kicking you down the street. Sometimes. Ah, okay. Well, but the Maori society in the South yeah. in New Zealand, they still do that. Touch foreheads and noses and breathe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, that's kind of, that's uh, my understanding anyway, I've I've only visited, not lived, but that aloha is is literally aloha is face and ha is divine breath, and yeah. so aloha was originally an invitation to do just what you've just described.
1: Yeah. And um, in more, I think more and more as we go through these things that strip us away from the culture and the and the religion and the patterns and whatever of, of acceptable behavior, and we, and what we're left with are these these precious things that really are ours. I, my breath is is part of me. Um, it's you know it's it's what can't be taken away. Until it's really taken away, you know what I mean. When it's taken away, I'm 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 out of here. So, um, but it's like, what do you really? What is who are you? And so who is Stefan, You asked that. Um I'm my breath. I'm my heart. I'm my I'm I'm this um I'm I'm a I'm an co creator in this um beautiful, beautiful um experience called life in the in this human plane, this V V plane. And it's um and it's breathtaking. It really I think that it's uh that's a nice term, huh? Breathtaking. Um
0: breath giving, that. I
1: would say. Yeah, it's like an, and naps are really important too. Is it nap time yet, guys? Oh I could I do a little a little um little blurb for my the sole purpose thing? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I would love to share you know, just briefly that that I was eight when I was over in Kauai, um going through this process and it was and uh, I got sent there angelically. <laughs> I don't want to go into that, but actually somebody else even bought the airplane ticket for me to go there. And uh, and I ended up on the same day there, prearranged when it you know, was three months before that. It came to me in a dream. And it was that was pretty out out of out of the box too. And um, when I'm over there in Hawaii is just a tr- Hawaii is just a tremendously. Um, healing place. I think that's most people's experience, that there's going to be with the land. And I was actually living in a place called Kapa'a, or Kapa'i at the time, up in the rainforest between uh, North Shore and Lahui, the airport. And um, during that time, I was just pondering a lot. I was pondering, what's going to take for us to have an age of enlightenment? I really, you know, I've been on this planet doing what we're doing now for a long, long time. And and I was just wondering when it was going to happen. And I, and I, I was pondering, why, what's it going to take? And the more I sat with that, the more I realized it wasn't a new political system. It wasn't, it wasn't a new religion. It wasn't a new um, you know, a guru or it wasn't a free energy. It wasn't um, whatever. It was um, what everybody really, we, we couldn't have one of those new age of enlightenment unless, unless everybody self-loves. And I go, okay, that's pretty simple. I said, so why not? So I want to, what can I do to create a tool to help people self-love? And as I sat with that, and and um, what came to me was that that if anybody can ever could ever see their own divine essence, then self-love is a natural byproduct of that. Because we have plenty of self-love books, and everybody knows that they should love themselves. But as long as it's all based on external stuff—what your wife or mother or dad or boss or friends say about you, or what the world says about you, or what your how, how, what your car's like, or whatever—all that external stuff—if that's the basis of our value or or who we are, then it's really hard to love ourselves. But if we get a chance, if anybody gets a chance to see their own divine soul essence during their lifetime, it is a life transformative um, process. And um, so I, I said, okay, that information has got to be here. How do I create something to help people see their own soul? And I went researching ancient wisdom systems and eventually came up with about 12 systems. And I wrote 6,000 lines of computer code. And I took these beautiful perspectives, energetic and vibrational perspectives of a person's birth name their actual, their current first and last name, and their birth date. And I created algorithms, which is mathematics, um, to understand the vibration that each person is. So, and, and I really was just looking at um, this law of attraction. Well, my name was attracted to me because my essence vibration um, attracted it. So by knowing what that name is, getting back to the vibration, I was able to find that, find out, um, identify or reverse engineer to get back to the, the core vibration or the vibration of love, so to speak, that each person's unique. And, um, and from there, I, I, I put my own name when I got done writing the program, put my own name and birth date and first, first name and last name in it, and I sat there with my jaw dropped down for about a half an hour going, oh, my God. And I named the, I named the program originally um, My Epic Truth and um, started sharing it with friends and family. And um, everybody was was blown away with the accuracy. And, and, and I was watching people actually getting soul tears and just literally beginning, the, beginning that process and some people that have been in that process for 20 or 30 years of deep spiritual development, getting a chance to see themselves from a different perspective and, and um, falling deeper in love with themselves. And so I've been doing that for about two, almost three years now. Like I said, I've done about 4,300 readings. And, um, and since it's all Internet-based, I'm not even... The, the reports can be run right off my website, which is stefansmirror.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-S, is it's Sam, um, mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R.com. And um, I have the readings on there. People can run the whole 14-page readings for themselves. Uh, online, I think, and the price on there is $10. Um, I really, I don't, I want this to go to the world. I want, my goal is to help everyone on the planet see, them, see themselves at a deep, divine level and fall in love with themselves and realize that, that the purpose of life really is to express your own beautiful essence each day of your life. So, that's my blurb. And, uh, I do do, um, private sessions. And I can do this by phone or by Skype, and the information is on the website. And I look forward. And I love doing things. I still love doing the, the personal readings, and uh, I will never grow tired of looking at people's Eyes tear up, and not emotional, but, but in soul soul base, to where they're just they're just kind of tears because they actually get to see themselves. Um, so that's kind of that's my dream.
2: And hence the mirror.
1: That's the mirror. It's a soul mirror, is what I what I put together. That's a little soul journey and it's not perfect, and it's not like uh, it's not it's not a perfect mirror, but it's a. Uh, it's, um, it's
2: pretty jaw dropping.
1: It's pretty jaw dropping. It is extremely it accurate, and and it and it really will help you understand what it is, how you how you relate with um, with friends and family. Um, it, we go through in the reading. I literally have identified. Um, three coordinates, I can identify any person's three coordinates that bring it into their soul center. And what I've discovered is that synchronicity occurs the more we get into our own center. We actually can create become lucky people, so to speak. And, um, and that, that's all about um, giving your gift, your specific gift to the world. Um, it's about doing two things that specifically honor your own heart and put your heart fully in the game. And two things that are Gentle focuses for your life that are that are about your divine purpose for being in the world. In my case, I was here to put together construct systems of order or theoretical systems of order and to um, and to be known for what I do. It's kind of an ambitious thing, I guess. And my gift is creativity and communication. and literally taking ancient wisdom and we we um what do <laughs> and repackaging it. So that, so that modern man can hear it, and uh, so I think we're getting closer. And my goal is that in the next year or two years, that we'll have it up on the website with in, you know, with enough um, um, presence and, and uh, viral activity to be able to see millions of these um, readings being done a day, and people awakening um, to who they are, and begin and encouraging one another to do the thing. So. That's my that's my second part of my journey. And uh thank you guys for having me on and I love you guys and I like playing with you.
3: Well it's it's such a pleasure to have you here because you're so honest and I like that. Um <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think very... the day of the you know, spiritual teacher that does no wrong and never thinks a sad thought. Mm-hmm. Are thankfully over. <clears throat> I hope yeah. so.
3: Yeah, indeed, absolutely. I've, um,
1: I've been on a, you know, like so in this in this whole thing, I, I, I'm kind of on a I'm on a, a role, kind of telling people to stop bashing the ego because the ego is just the manager of self. Go give it a job description, soul job description, and your ego. And it's good to have a powerful ego if it's running your soul essence. And um, and I also. Been going around, at this point, I'm kind of feeling inclined to go around and and encourage people to stop victimizing victims or making victims bad. Um, If there are no victims, there are no victors, guys. And every time, wherever you find yourself at, and I've, I've been the victor and I've been the victim. And you know what? There's beautiful lessons that you can't learn anywhere else in each one of these places. So if you're in a victim role right now, then then be in it, learn it, learn what the lessons are from that, and, and just because it's a it's a gift, it really is a gift. And if you're in the victor role, then learn learn the lessons there.
2: Yeah, the 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 way out's through, not the way out
1: is perfect. The way out through. So don't so don't allow anybody to say, you know, and then right now, right right now. Um, a lot of people are on a roll right now in the spiritual realm, condemning the ego and then telling everybody to get out of their head and into their heart. Well, 100 years ago, they were telling everybody to get out of their heart and into their head. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a little tidal you know, shift here or whatever. The reality is, every person has a beautiful balance of both their heart, their head, their thyroid, their pituitary, their big toe. Everything is unique to them. Everybody's just here to shine their own light. To utilize what it is that they created and drew to themselves through your perfect essence, and to and to learn to, to realize that nobody's better than you. Nobody, is, everybody, is, everybody has a divine, beautiful divine soul, and each of us are perfectly designed to express our own essence. And um, and so we don't have to we don't have to become I don't have to become a guru to be enlightened. I just have to simply let my light shine. And that's the path for everyone. Nobody has to become anybody else. Anymore. That's the good. That's really good news to me. I'm tired of being put in people, other people's boxes, even if they're wonderful people's boxes. Just like we're in the box that we're that we're designed to be in. In fact, we're in the, we're in the box that we're perfectly designed to be in. Our human body, with its amazing yes. intellectual, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Limitations and traits. All the traits and weaknesses are all be, are all perfectly designed. And if you try to get rid of your traits or your traps, then you get rid of the trait too. And we can't pick and choose traits and traps or acquire other people's traits. And um, all we end up is being these messed up, messed up. Uh, Nobody or somebody versus ourselves. So um,
2: it's really true. I think that's what the old Midlife crisis that we used to talk about was was sort of about was some things would happen loss of a parent loss of a job loss of a mate and and you suddenly found yourself somewhere quiet with nothing going on and you had no earthly idea who you were except you just bought a red sports car and you were, you, were, you were well that was you know we're gonna go find ourselves now oh, okay. We're going yeah. to go play yeah. and and but it 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 really because if you you know, you strip away the job, the, the career, the I'm so-and-so's husband, I'm so-and-so's wife. I'm, you, you strip all those things away, and and what if there's nothing left? <clears throat> and there's always something left, but but people... I, I have been in that position where it was like all that stuff gets ripped away, and then you're like, well, what's left? Yeah. Michael's usually around the corner going, you... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, wait, well, yeah, but who's me? <clears throat> and he's like, that's the question. Stay there. <laughs> Stay with that for a while. Yeah.
1: Michael, I just kind of wanted to. Just, um, I, I've gotten really upset. You can not believe it. I've gotten really upset with Michael throughout the years. And I, but I also, um, I'm so grateful for that. Whatever that higher guidance was, that I call Michael and. Uh, I'm not so sure it's really um, it's not just a higher construct or, or a beautiful um, part of this persisting dreaming. like Einstein said. but it's like but it's been Mike, Michael's voice to me has been very. It's, it's, I have a lot of gratitude in my heart for um, both the patience and the, and the divine wisdom and perspective that Michael's brought to my life over the years and and. Other people may not hear Michael the way I hear him, um, or you know that angelic voice, that angelic presence, that um, that that spiritual presence is with everyone in different forms, in the form that that may need to hear it, and um, it's just uh, it really is there even though we can't see it. And uh, I think it I think it helps me to breathe easier. Just
2: yeah. And there's and, and it comes in different flavors so <laughs> depending on what you need at the time. You know, it's like these folks that channel ten different personalities and they go, Oh well that's so and so's area of expertise. Yeah. <laughs> Gene just lets George do it all, but sometimes people still have boxes, so they you know, mm-hmm. Oh, this feels different. So this must be someone else.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah, I that you whole know, I i, I really I don't I tell people I don't believe in angels. You know, I don't believe in past lives. I don't believe in. It. I think it's all just happening, and I think it's all we're all part of this energetic presence of of co-creating. We're all part of this oneness, but each one of us has a a, a unique perspective point. Excuse <clears> me, <throat> a perspective point within that oneness that, that is completely unique to to the whole. And we have an opportunity to bring experience back to the whole. It cannot come any other way, and, um, and it's really, a, it's really a glorious. So it's about just shredding all these, uh, shredding all these um, old cultural patterns that keep us, um, that keep us from just waking up in the morning and saying, "I get to express me today. I get to do things that are in my own heart. I get to give my gifts, and I get to." be here in the in divine presence that I, in the way, divine way that I came to be on the planet. And, um, and that's a really beautiful, powerful place to come from.
2: very awesome place, absolutely. Because it, it's true. I, you know, we can get into all kinds of semantics about whether well, there's souls and there's oversouls, and so energetically you've been other lives and other things. And, well, but if I was, then I was somebody else at the time. <laughs> I'm only me right now, <clears throat> yes. and and the, the the me that's me right now is not the me that was me ten years ago, and likely won't be the me that's me ten years from now. So let's have at it because this me is right now and may not ever be again exactly Could, this way.
1: Yeah. Can, we, uh, can, can we can can we can I share a couple of things that I've learned from all these book readings?
2: Absolutely. Okay,
1: um one of them is that every soul is perfect and divine. There is no such thing as a bad soul. There are people out there who are not who are chose choose not to be themselves, choose to try to be somebody else and do and bring to do a lot of lousy things on the planet that are painful to others or hurtful or whatever. Um, you know, but there's no such thing as a bad soul. Um, I've done soul readings, gone back and done soul readings on the Mother Teresa's and the Hitler's and whatever. There are no bad souls. Hitler was not centered in his soul. um, And yet, when I look back at the historical readings, I can see where he tried to be an artist early on in his life, I believe. And um, and those sorts were kind of shut down on him. And eventually, he began to do things that weren't, weren't in alignment with his own soul. Everybody's physical body is a gift. And I and people go, Well, what about people who are, you know, diseased or people that are that have um physical deformities, whatever? And I go, you know, I probably would have been arguing along with you, but I just got done watching a YouTube where this guy this this guy um was going around the school auditorium and um and and talking to teenagers who are all judgmental about themselves, about their zits or or about being critical about not being beautiful, or being you know that they're not perfect enough, or whatever. And this this young this uh, young young man would get up on he had he had no arms and he had little flippers right at his hips, which were her, which is his feet. And he would crawl up onto the table and he'd begin to talk to these teenagers about from a place of gratitude and, and about um, how silly it is for them or how how. They don't need to be critical of themselves or judging each other and that they're valuable. And these kids, they just broke right through. And this guy has such an amazing life right now of expressing his deep soul essence of setting kids free to self-love. And he, in that platform, he actually discovered his own platform. Does that make sense? And every single one of us has the perfect platform to express our own divine soul essence. And if we're judging it based on whether it looks like everybody else's or that everybody else's standard or norm or what's beautiful or whatever, we're missing the whole point. Who we are is perfectly designed to express our soul essence. Find out your soul essence and to ex and realize that your body's perfectly designed for that. Another thing I learned was that um was that a lot of times when I when I used to meet people and I would feel a very a closeness with them, like I like I, I had and we'd go, Oh my God, we must have shared past lives and whatever, I went back and did readings on, on a lot of those scenarios and mm-hmm. and with and with other people who were experiencing the same. And I discovered that when people have parts of their essence that are in common in other words, they have the same types of perspective, and they have a, they have a natural understanding that because they perceive a certain way, they have the same types of experiences, and they have the same understanding for each other. So, there's deep understanding, even though they haven't met before, does that make sense? Sure. So, a lot of the times when people are saying, "I have I had a past life experience with you, and this and this and this, I would actually go in, pull their charts, and be able to see how it'd be exactly they're. Who they are now is lining up lines up with with why they feel that closeness that they feel so um that was kind of an interesting byproduct from that um, what else um, oh also I learned about I learned about archetypes and each person has has kind of a basic storyline which is which is a unique pattern of of being in life that comes out of um, the tarot in my reading. and it really has a it really um, helps a person understand um, how they show up in the world, why they are the way they are, why people treat them the way they do, in many many realms, and that this ancient wisdom has a lot of um, a lot of power and being a lot a lot of wisdom to empower us. To be able to fully embrace who we are and, and live it in a, in a fuller way. Um, yeah, you,
2: you might not so, be who you think you are, but you're really awesome.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the case. In fact, but you know what? Almost or everybody might
2: not is, be who you have been told you are.
1: Right. <clears throat> you know what? A lot of people when I when I finally get down to looking at their this triangle, this, this gift, their gift, how they empower their own heart how they honor their own heart and we're and definitely in being here. When they look at that, that's where the soul tears come, or that's where this big aha comes from, going, I that's what I've been hearing. That's what I've been that's what keeps coming to me. And for a lot of people it's just a beautiful confirmation to play to play life big. Oh, I really am one of those. Okay, I can go do it. I just, sometimes we just need a little extra encouragement, but always because I mean, the only power my reports have is that they're is that they're actually a lot of times they're saying the same thing that your soul is saying. It's just hearing it from an outside perspective. From a different perspective. And um let's see what else.
0: Like um,
1: okay. synchronicity oh here's one. Um I learned really early on, this was just like the most powerful thing I've learned today was that if you can envision a world right now where there's one postal system—it's the world, world postal system or whatever—and that's the universe and how it brings people, resources, and opportunities to us. Okay, this is the matrix, so to speak. Um, and the and the world postal system or the matrix is always trying is always in the process of delivering our mail. And whatever address is on that mailbox is the address is the mail that you get okay so what I discovered is when people are giving their gifts when they're honoring their own the heart by choosing to do these specific things and they are walking you know keeping a gentle focus on their ultimate divine purpose for being here then they're then they're they're holding to a vibration which is like putting their, having your correct mail address on your mailbox. Okay? Can you imagine if you walked out, yes, tomorrow, walked out and looked at your mailbox and realized it's two digits off? And that the mail you've been getting for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is, has been somebody else's mail? And you've been wondering why it was so rough, why it was so hard, why it was so hard to find the right person, why why you... Kept on getting in relationships that didn't fit, and why you kept getting all excited about the next job, and then once you got into it, it became more of a hellhole than a, than a, than a blessing or whatever. Okay, and a lot of what I what I realize is that anybody on the planet that isn't either accidentally or on purpose in their soul center, then their address that's on their mailbox is incorrect, and they're getting people for somebody else that, won't, that are, don't really fit really well. It's not like synchronicity isn't occurring. It's just occurring in ways that we don't like. Okay. So, And then what I found out is that anybody that is in there, accidentally or on purpose, is in their soul center, then they're now... Oh, oh I'm sorry. The, the people that aren't, they always hold the same thought. They always, the result is that they always believe that they're broken and that they need to be fixed. And they believe that the universe is broken because obviously it's a lousy postal system, okay? And that the people who are in their center, in their soul center, accidentally or on purpose, they they all hold it, they all would say the same thing, um, not because they're trained to say it, but because that's just their experience, is that they see themselves as a blessing to the world, they see themselves as a gift to the world, and they see the universe as, as working. And the, what I've learned is that by helping people get to their soul center, then they come into this synchronicity of having their address right, and they begin to get relationships that fit them. They begin to get resources that really are, and they get, and they begin to have t- begin tasks and jobs that, that feel good when we do them, and we don't have to lose our soul in the process.
2: Yeah, because depending on who your neighbor is, you could get some really weird mail. Yeah,
1: I've gotten. I, I think we've all gotten that mail. It's just, and I right, think we've just,
2: all had you know, the crazy neighbor, and we've been getting their mail.
1: Yeah, and, um, yeah, and know. human and, and humanity. We really, when we look back at, you know, let's say six thousand years or whatever, human humanity. Um, if we just look that far back, we we basically have this idea that humanity is this hard thing. This is a struggle. It's whatever. But the truth is we are wired if we just get if we just get centered in ourselves, um, humanity takes on a whole different look. We really are ready. The only thing that we need to do is like that just out just out of water kind of thing. All we need to do as a people on the planet is to stop, breathe, and get into our own essence. And the universe will simply take over the rest. And humanity will never will not in this age of enlightenment that's coming. People are not going to be. Um, they're going to be just synchronicity. Will just be happening. Things will just be nicer. People, you know that those beautiful people that come into your life is just fit. That will be the that's more the commonplace, and it's coming to us because we get centered. So yeah. that's my dream. That's my heart. That's that's um, my role right now. And when I get done with that, I'm sure that I find ten more than I can replace it. Okay, my and oh,
2: well, that's how that works. Yep. It doesn't. And it just gets better and bigger. Like, that's the f- part of the fun. But yeah, so we anybody, need to just change to from this. the United Parcel System to the Universal Postal System. And, you know, and the so Unity Make System. sure you got the address
1: right. Yeah, that's it. That's
2: it. Get out of your neighbor's house. And oh, you know, part of this was but,
1: the, with the secret, Like with the secret, and everybody's going, you know, you just kind of hold the thought of what it is you want or whatever. I want the pink Cadillac or I want that whatever trip to Hawaii or blah, blah, blah. But the truth is that you can hold those wonderful thoughts and you can send it out there, but unless you're centered in who you are, unless you're really showing up in authenticity and, and, and having that address right, then most likely somebody else is getting your trip.
2: Which is kind of nice to get to them. Yeah, it's nice to share, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like there's enough for everybody. Right. Yeah. So. But yeah. you'll have lots to share if you get into your own address, folks. Um, we appreciate everybody staying with us for just a, a tad over tonight. We do that quite often. That's why we schedule the shows that way.
0: And... um
2: <laughs> You no, know, well, we always no. Do.
3: That's okay. Most profound bits always come at the end.
2: <laughs> the best best sound clips come from the last 15-20 minutes. Um, we do hope that everybody will join us again on Thursday. Um, we're gonna chat about sacred geometry, and if geometry or math makes you crazy in your mind, stop, take a breath, and understand that Charles Gilchrist will be with us. Uh, if you've ever Type Sacred Geometry into YouTube. You've probably seen Charles's videos. Um, almost three million views now, I think, for his catalog of videos. And he just has this talent for making Sacred Geometry understandable, making it click. Gene, you had an aha moment the last time he was here. And he was only I able did. to talk for about 15, 20 minutes. And so we're going to have, a, we demanded to have him back for a full 90 minutes so that we can... Uh, take advantage of his brilliance in communicating that subject. Of course, I I, think, I like math and geometry. And yeah, I've always thought it, that other people don't because they've been told they don't. Because it's fun. Math
3: and geometry scare me, but um, yeah, there was something that he explained, and I did. I, I Everything kind of clicked into place for me. So, if... It, <laughs> I'm of the the mindset that if I can have an aha moment uh, with regards to math and geometry, then anybody can have an aha moment. And uh, Charles has a great way of of making it simple. Just makes sense when he speaks. So it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic show.
2: So we do hope that everybody will join us for that. And of course, we will have links up on the archive uh, for tonight's show. Uh again, uh the best way to find uh Stefan's Mirror is simply www.stefansmirror.com. Uh and of course, we're at everydayconnection.me cuz it's all about me, no matter which <laughs> one of us me is reading it at the time. Uh so again, uh Get over your uh, geometry bugs by joining us on Thursday, and uh, he's a, an amazing fellow, uh, photographer, artist. Uh, it won't just be geometry; that's just one of his things. He's also an expert in mandalas, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun. And uh, uh, until then,
3: to your mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected.
2: Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your everyday connection.